tell the people who you are, what your role is in Viva Leisure. You know, in all full disclosure, Orphic has partnered with Viva, okay, yep. which is how we got here. But tell people who you are and then I want to start straight off. You know, what do you think in your experience as a state PT manager and all the experiences you've had are the biggest gaps in yeah. personal trainers' education and skill set? Yeah, and I'm so excited for this topic because I think it's it's so subjective and so many people I think would have so many different um, ways. So I'm very controversial, so I'm really excited to be able to connect and, and have these conversations as well. So... Uh, for everyone at home, you know, my name is Adriana and my role is State Personal Training Manager for Viva Leisure. Uh, before I go into a little bit of detail about the company, my, I guess, experience within the fitness industry, um, I started working in a gym whilst I was still in school, so, you know, over 17 years ago now. Um, and today's my birthday, actually. Oh, so yes. I'm yes, sorry. I forgot. Damn it. Birthday. No, oh. no, forget it. Happy but birthday. It's, it's just, thank you. So you guys are very lucky that I'm here today. Should should be out there, not, not working. But no, but hold on. Are I, you doing what you, like, is this what you want to do? Love it. This is absolutely not work. So when, when you when you do something that you absolutely love, you, you never work a day in your life. That's what they always say. So yes. I'm absolutely thrilled to sort of be here. But I guess we digress. So I started off on gym floor. I was working at Fernwood as what they call a member motivator. Uh, so I basically just walked the floor and motivated people to keep going. Mm. And I that, that for me was a bit of a stepping stone to I wanted to be a paramedic when, um, when I finished school. So I wanted to help people and I thought in a very different way. But working on the floor and actually motivating people and having that title member motivator, I truly realized how much more passionate I was about getting people moving with purpose. Um, and that statement ended up being, you know, even to now, that's my business statement or my vision statement is just to get every single person moving with purpose. Um, and that sort of got me into personal training and sort of moving forward from there. So my my experience, I guess, with personal training truly started um, when members had no clue about what to do um, when they were in a gym. How did they lose weight? And for me, as you sort of said before, I could literally talk a tail off a donkey, as they sort of say. I could literally just have any chat with anyone. So building my own personal business and brand, I found very easy because I built a connection with everyone from the start. Um, and one of the things you probably continuously hear me say is personal comes first before training. So mm. that's to me why I found it so easy to be able to transition these, um, these members into clients and I still talk to them now. So it's, it's fantastic 17 years later and I still have a couple too who are actually still training with me all those many years. Um, so from there, I sort of decided that it was time for me to move out of um, a commercial gym atmosphere and I moved to start my own business in a rental. I was paying rent um, from a facility, so that way it was purely just me running my own PT business. In the CBD of Sydney in a lovely hotel called the Shangri-La, um, there was only myself at another gym, uh, another gym, another PT called Tim, and we did so well. Um, it was just the two of us, Smack Bank Financial District, people were coming in and out. It was fantastic. And I really, really nailed the, the revenue piece. I'm not gonna not gonna hide that. However, this was my true understanding that I had no idea how to run a business because tax time came around and I could not pay the tax that I uh, owed the government. So that to me was the first point where I truly realised that I had no idea about running a business. It was very, very easy to be able to bring the clients in, but other than that, you know, I wasn't saving any money. I wasn't putting any money aside for tax. So that was a, it was a big kicker for me uh, where I decided, okay, I needed a business mentor. I needed someone to actually help me understand the marketing side, the, the business side, the banking, KPIs, administration. So I didn't really realise how much I was lacking in that area. 
Um, thankfully, after a couple of years, I was able to sort of pay it back and it does take time. Uh, you never want to be in, in debt with the government. So for me, that was the real turning point for me that in, in any managerial role and even now my my main purpose of the role that I'm in is to truly ensure that any PT coming on board in a rental model is they will never feel the same way that I did. They truly understand how to run a, um, a successful business on paper, not just sort of face value as well. So that is my number one thing is to make sure that every person is financially comfortable um, and feeling really great. Financial stress, you know, knock on wood, hopefully no one goes through it. It's the worst stress. Um, what did you... I appreciate your energy. I really appreciate like you feel like you have like a very authentic energy uh, that you really care about the role that you have and the responsibilities that you have to nurture a lot of these PTs under you and managers under you. You know, What did you, before we get into the even the flaws of PTs, with the business practices, what did you learn there? Like what's, what's kind of the key lessons that you tell... The people under you, it's like make sure you have these systems or habits in place. Mm -hmm. And funny you bring bring that up. And and almost last week we actually changed our PT induction. So any new personal trainer that comes on board, um, we we take them through an induction, and we completely shifted it to make it very very simple. And it's three points. Mm. Point number one for any PT is to get the lead to keep it simple. Number two is um, to basically keep the lead and number three is to basically maintain it. So out of those three points, is it beneficial for a trainer to focus purely on the administration side? I honestly, that's not the priority. The priority is being able to build a relationship with someone. You can have all the business systems in the world, but if you don't have any members or clients there, it's not going to do anything. So the number one point is is the marketing, is yeah, getting out there on the floor and, and building a business. Number two is the business sort of side of it. What are those systems? Having an agreement uh, right there. How are people going to pay you um, direct debit um, member transfer, understanding the differences, you know, cash. I mean, I don't condone cash in any way because you actually want people to pay on a regular recurrence such as direct debit, out of sight, out of mind. It's unemotional. Um, and it means that you can, as a business owner, you can purely focus on the number one point, which is the client's goals and making sure that you achieve that. Um, and then the last point is retaining that client. So, Arguably, point number two is basically focusing on the business part. However, you can't leave that too late because um, otherwise you, you end up in my position where I didn't focus on it at all. Um, but if you have some of those prerequisites done, how are your clients going to pay you? What's your pricing? What's the value you want to offer? What are the services you're going to provide? Having some of those key things prepped and ready to go, you can focus a little bit later on what are now the KPIs? What are now, how am I going to uh, uh, track my business? You can do that a little bit later, but it's still important. Okay, I think there's one thing that I think I really definitely wish I knew earlier and, and it's the recurring membership, like get people on a version of whether you're, you're private, you work at a private facility, whether you work for yourself or whether you're in a commercial gym and you own the gym. It's like mm. get people on direct debit payment systems yeah. is one of the best pieces of practical systems and advice that I see a lot of young coaches don't implement, yep. but the ones that do, it just tends to be one of those habits of highly successful health professionals. Mm. And I mean, in, in, in your opinion as well, because I mean, I've got mine, but personal trainers are so afraid of talking about money and, and getting a client, putting them on a direct debit PTs get really fearful about it and, it and it still blows my mind that people, you know, are uncomfortable with putting someone on a direct debit. Um, 
Like, what, what, in, I think in it, that regards, what are your thoughts? I think it has more to do with the individual's hang-ups about money. I think money in our society <laughs> often is an emotional thing. Uh, people, yeah. it's very individual, but I think a high proportion of the average person in their, you know, teenage 20s, 30s, which is where a lot of the coaches sit in that subset, uh, mm -hmm. aren't taught how to interact and navigate with money as a tool rather they yeah. use it as a, I don't know, something a bit more superfluous, a bit more superficial, something that's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think a lot of the, a lot of people aren't taught the value and how to use money for you instead of letting money kind of use you, if that makes sense. It actually does. And I, I do agree with you there. And the only thing that, that I found to have worked is purely it's almost a, a consistency thing. And it comes down to, as an individual trainer, if you're not confident talking about money, just like anything else, you have to put food on the table. So you need to start getting confident very, very quickly. And on the flip side, if you talk about getting your clients on direct debit, the likelihood of you having to talk about money again is going to be very far down the track. And it might only be when you uh, might be going on holidays or or you might be increasing your prices because your, your experience has increased, skill set, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be the only time you would talk about money. So for the benefit of making it more comfortable for you as the trainer, get everyone on direct debit. Whereas a lot of people think, no, we'll just do packs. You know, it's just going to make things easier. However, if you don't like talking about money, after 10 sessions, you have to talk about it again yes. and again That's and right. again. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's as soon as you talk about that, that exact statement, people go, oh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And why wouldn't you? Because it's a tool for accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, a person who pays session to session is much like they're much more fragile. They're, they're much more likely mm -hmm. to, to create an excuse to find some reason not to stay accountable to you. A direct debit system, yeah. you have an accountability tool for yourself mm -hmm. and your client and a safe measure that you know you have X amount coming in and you can budget accordingly to that. Absolutely. And as well, when you're doing something, whether it's a packed or a, a week by week, not direct debit version, but you're paying someone week by week, there's an end date. So the clients in their mind going, well, I'm only going to do personal training for three months, for 12 weeks, that's it, no more. I'll, I'll know everything that I need to in 12 weeks. But little do they know, you've only just scratched the service. You mm. haven't even gotten to the, the legitimate reason why yet. Absolutely. You've just scratched it. So it's, it's something that just, it's not something you can teach straight away, talking about money and, getting comfortable with that it happens over time but you do need to get really comfortable with it um but yeah direct debit it's a game changer I mean, what else every business yeah well like what what if, i think we've actually accidentally touched on one of the, like the most common uh, flaws mistakes pts make yeah. like, what are some other ones <laughs> that you say um and this will probably be my controversial statement number one um and, and I'll, I guess I should first probably explain before I get to the point um, and a question for everyone sort of listening at home or playing at home. Currently, what do you think the the top three fitness trends are right now? Yep. And this, this is something that across the board, it hasn't shifted a lot. There's essentially 25 top fitness trends. Um but they kind of shift up and down sort of every now and then. So a really cool sports and or health and fitness journal, which is the American College of Sports Medicine, they do a lot of worldwide surveys. So this is sort of how they really get to the top 25. And Fitness Australia, um, URSA, everyone basically works from this particular journal. And right now, because of the pandemic across the world, the top three trends, number one, is now online training. Hmm. Number two is wearable tech, so watches, things like that. Number three is body weight training, hmm. which, when you think about it, completely makes sense. On the flip side, and this is where the, the controversial sort of will start to kick in, 
where I think is a bit of a flaw that new PTs mainly, they come in and they think going into an online um, digital platform is the way to go. But I hand to heart truly disagree. And I'll explain why. Is this with clients you mean or learning the certificate? Uh, no, this is after. Once they actually finish their course, yeah. they go into, they, they think they can actually build an online um, personal training cool. business, which I don't, I'll, unless you have a, a heap of followers or um, or completely well-known sort of within the industry, it, it's very rare that you'll come straight in and build a really successful model online straight away. You need the marketing, you need to have the brand. It's quite expensive to really build something quite intense on them so where i'm coming from is pts forget personal comes first before training and i think the the number one gap that is missed sort of in that in that field is it's the soft skills it's the it's the personal side of it because of the pandemic unfortunately everything has become digital everything is online you know we're, we're no longer sort of face to face so do I still believe that there is a place for it? Absolutely. But you cannot push past the fact that we will have gyms reopening again. This is just a very small little section where we will be going into lockdown and it will probably happen ongoing. However, PTs coming out of their course should be going into a gym and building their personal relations skills you need to start being able to talk and build that confidence of your own value because whatever you're going to do in a gym face to face you have to be able to emulate that online which is arguably harder because all people see is a price whereas all people see in the gym is how friendly you were so you must know something they can trust you more face to face so that's tends to be my controversial statement is a lot of people want to straight out of their course miss steps one and two and go straight for three which is a i want to build an, a successful online program yeah cool that's that's great but you have got to go back a step you, you've got to truly get out there work on the reception work on being able to talk about money you know especially if you, you're uncomfortable with that sort of side of it you know what makes you feel like you can actually get out there and start you know, charging people $20 every single week or even $50 every single week, which some people tend to charge. So for me, I think that's a that's a, a mistake off the get-go and what I'm finding a lot of people are doing now. I truly believe get in there first. Don't, even, don't even start as a PT. Just work on reception. Work on gym floor. Build those skills first before you become a paying PT. Look, I agree, but I'm also biased yeah. because that's the way I did it. But yeah. let, let's just give an example. Let's, there's two things. One, I don't know. I know quite a few, been around for a while. I know quite a few coaches and I don't know of anybody who has started off online only and stayed in this industry to make a contribution. Now, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule. Okay, but yeah. I don't know of any who have started off like that. Number two, I think of what you're saying as like a foundation. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to build a house. I want a really solid foundation. And what I'm hearing is that one of the major keys to building a solid foundation of a as a health professional is your ability to problem solve, communicate effectively yeah. on the fly, adapt and laterally think and critically think and work on just basic human behavior practices like can you look somebody in the eye deliver uh, a piece of education or argue your point of view or learn how to argue another way and maybe disagree with somebody and all these different parameters that are important in communication i i, I believe that heightens your potential to run a more successful online business because you have seen and been exposed to the variety of different paradigms of what it is to be a human being and interact with one another. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, both both you and I probably know that the more people you talk to, every single person is different. There's different personalities. There's, there's different ways that you do need to be able to communicate with someone. 
and there's no one way for every single person. So when you are doing something online, you do have to have some form of a basis there that is generic before you start periodizing timetables and 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 start programming specifically for someone in particular. So you need to be able to have those backgrounds first. And if someone says, I'm I've got a sore shoulder, if you haven't done a full, whether that's a, an assessment, you're literally guessing what the problem is with their shoulder. So you just avoid doing any form of overhead press because their shoulder sore, but mm. that could be worse for them. Mm. So until you get and start experiencing the way someone moves in a variety of different uh, ways and experiencing general pop and, and understanding that when someone probably says that their lower back is sore, especially now because we're sitting down so much, it's probably not their lower back, it's their hip flexors because we're continuously in a sagittal position for God knows how, how long uh, nowadays because we're, we wake up and we get on the couch and start working. Mm. So it's longer than what it was when we would get up and travel to work. So there's a lot of things before we actually get to that point of an online component. But you are right. I truly believe we need to develop some of those communication skills first. Um, and I was actually before the call and I was with my partner as well because he's in the industry and he was, we were trying to work out, so what are some of these courses that someone could actually do uh, if they wanted to go into a little bit more depth about some ways that you can build a relationship with someone? There's really not that many that are out there and considering our role is connecting with someone, I'm actually surprised that there's not one course that I could sit here and be able to promote to you right now and say, this is an amazing course. And there's there's actually not. It does come with experience. There's only um, one. I'm going to give you one uh, that I would highly recommend. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of an American coach called Brett Bartholomew. No. He, Brett. He, Brett Bartholomew, he wrote a very uh, popular book in this strength and conditioning industry called Conscious Coaching. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah. he's he's that guy. I spoke I spoke to him on one of our first podcasts and had an amazing conversation mm. with him. Mm. And he runs courses in America that go through exactly this, literally how to problem solve different conflicts and different communication strategies. He builds that mm. all in his in-person courses that he does. So for anybody yeah. listening and you, uh, that could be a great model that maybe you could create here mm. if you so chose to yeah i mean there could even be potential for him to run some something online so that way we could do it after all that talk but yes. you know and so many courses though that are out there they they just again they scratch the surface on it they they slightly talk about it and one of the, the courses that it's not a full course on it but they they did it so when i was working at virgin active um PTA, so Personal Training Academy, they came in and actually did a couple of courses and we did something called effective movement training. But there was a slight component in that and they were talking about um, what they call the daily readiness observation. And basically what that means is before your client actually starts training, you want them to give you almost like their, their, their readiness score. So before we go any further, how's your stress level? How do you feel after uh, yesterday's work? How's your workload? What, what's your uh, emotional level, lifestyle level? How's everything going? Let's put all of that together. Let's talk about it. Now, let's work out what your readiness score is. Because if you've got planned a crazy hard strength session, but they've literally told you their readiness score is a two, they're not feeling it. That's probably the worst thing that you could do. Let's take a step back and let's review. Let's get them talking. Go and take them for a coffee maybe. So, And that was a really short component of it. But even to this day, I still use something very, very similar. Um, but again, that's just a reading between the lines, you know, mm. like what you said beforehand, being a human, which is I think talking. It's the art and guys like Brett Bartholomew and Christian Woodford call it the art of coaching. It's like, yeah. this is, there's a science to it and there's, there's mm. an art to it. And the art to it is, can you auto-regulate and adapt your strategies on the fly based on mm. the current context of the individual in front of you and what they have been going through over the last day or week. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I definitely think that's missing for now. 
especially now mental health is huge so we should definitely be going into it so much more than we than we currently are do you think that could be another like how could we do a better job at that like within your coaching within your managing like how could we implement strategies around managing mental health better with ourselves and our clientele mm. And this is an interesting one because, I mean, when we first went into lockdown, and I'm happy to 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 let you all know, I mean, hopefully you can tell now I'm a very energetic person. I like to be surrounded by people. Um, you know, in the disprofiling, I am off the charts I, which they call the influence. And you can't you can't get any more I than what, what I am. So I'm the epitome of a group X instructor. That'll probably be the best way of saying it. Now, as soon as we went into lockdown, I completely freaked because – I now couldn't get out. I felt like I couldn't interact with people. That was literally what I was born to do, which was interact. So training clients online was the, the best part of my day because I was able to interact with someone. And I completely had the worst anxiety, but probably for the better part of the, the whole year um, because of the moment that we locked down. I completely had massive anxiety. What helped me move forward from that, which then in turn helped me with some of my clients and, and PTs going through it now. It's honestly the unknown. People are freaking out right now because of an unknown thing that's sort of going on. And I'm not talking about COVID in general. I'm just talking about what will happen tomorrow. No one knows. Are we going to come out of lockdown tomorrow? No. Did we just go told that New South Wales is going to be extended? Yes. And no doubt people are going to be freaking out because of that. So what are we doing in our day-to-day -day life that's going to help us move past that unknown? So it's let's talk about planning. What are we going to do today to be able to make sure when you do feel a little bit anxious, what are we going to do? And that's not for me to be able to say this is what you should do because everyone's different. The goal is to ensure that you can commit to something ongoing so as an example it's something that we like to call the grow model which is a really cool coaching technique and the goal is to talk about what are the issues or what, I don't like using the word issues but what are the concerns um, why are we here today let's really work out that how are we actually going to take that next step because we want to work out what me as the person is willing to commit ongoing and make sure that we keep that accountable. So the goal is to give you the opportunity to tell me what you would like to do and to move forward from that. And I found that that has actually worked so much better because I've we've worked out a strategy that works best for you. So for me, it's I need to be able to get out, get outside and I need to read a book and paint because that's a way for me to put all my energy into one thing, focus on that, because I know once I finish the painting, it's an achievement. Whereas someone else might literally be, I need to do, which one of, one of uh, the trainers actually said, I need to do, and I need to lift really heavy. So for him, he actually rearranged his living room. And for him, he was like, that made me feel like I've achieved something. Fantastic. If that's what it is, that's what it is, because that will then get bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually um, you, you'll start to work out some strategies for yourself about how to reduce some anxiety or how to reduce sort of your mental health or whatnot. But it's an unknown. That's that's sort of where I'm going with it. It's an unknown source. Mm -hmm. So we just have to try and get people into a, a habit of knowing you can't change an unknown. You can't. So what are the things that you can control right now and that statement of you can con you can't control the uncontrollables it's kind of the line that we will always continuously say moving forward with clients or or with anyone else let's control what we can control now and you and can control your state and who the type of person you want yes. to be and how you want to present yes. yourself when turmoil arises yes absolutely so you want to know and have some of those tools already at hand to be able to then just pick pick one and let's go with it. Um, so you want to have those strategies prepped and ready for that person to move forward.
how do you then teach those strategies or help the people you manage and help clients learn those strategies for themselves? Yeah, that's a tricky one because we're still going through it. And I would love to, to, to give you more, more on that, but anything, any strategies that could, how do we get people to learn how to manage their own anxiety, depression, mental health, and interact with uncertainty? How do you not give them the tools, but teach them to learn how to build their own tools? Yeah. And again, we're probably going down a nice little rabbit hole, um, which is always fun. And I think it, it depends on how severe something is as well, because without a doubt, look, I'm not a psychologist or, and it depends on how far someone will go. And I will always refer on, always refer on guys. I mean, especially if it's something that you feel like you can't sort of handle. However, it's about getting someone aware of the moment get them to actually name how they're feeling. A lot of people are like, I just have this, this feeling and it's like, I need you to explain it to me because I can't help with that understanding. So if you are feeling it, don't put words in someone's mouth. They need to let you know exactly how they're feeling. I have this emptiness in the pit of my stomach or when I'm watching TV, I just realize that I'm not watching it everything becomes really hazy and I start thinking of x y and z they've now named it they've they've told you how they're feeling so if you get them to name it all of a sudden it becomes real which means you can now work on some variety of strategies to move forward from that so when you are getting that feeling of, of of deep deep emptiness what's something you can do that's going to help you move forward name it and now let's work on something you've said you've enjoyed which i've said is painting so pick pick up something start drawing get that coloring book adriana the adult coloring book and start coloring in if that's what you want to do as soon as you feel that do it because now we found something that we've associated as a negative thing let's move on from that that's great so i think that 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 acknowledging the feeling describing it is huge oh god yeah and that's probably why especially now mental health is is huge right now which i mean unfortunately it's taken you know, a, a pandemic for us to sort of be here to really uh take note of mental health a little bit more and the importance of it um and, I'm, and i truly feel for any person who's going through any form of a, a, mental, a mental health illness or, or anything like that i i, I feel you um and I, and I hope um we we give a lot of people a lot of strategies to be able to move forward or the support that they need um i can't remember where i was going with that statement because it wasn't a question that you were asking but okay. i just um yeah, I'm sorry. I completely lost my train of thought because I, I was in the moment just then going, I feel for everyone because <laughs> it th- is quite strong right now. I think we well, actually, we were talking about strategies for people around mental health. And mm. I think we've given, uh, we talked about acknowledging and how important acknowledging that feeling was for people. And I think that's yeah. a really good strategy coaches and individuals can use. But if we, mm. down out of that rabbit hole, if we then go... Are there any other ones, any other uh, common flaws you see? Actually, even within the Certificate 3 and 4 model that you see providers Mm. not teaching or not doing a good enough job at or something that is missing that PTs learning should look out for? Yeah, again, and I think I briefly touched on it before and I had this talk with a PT yesterday because I used this terminology which was we need to start marketing ourselves a little bit better and my fault in in using that terminology because the PT said well give me something that I could post and I thought hang on that's that's not what I meant it's not build you a poster and that's what you post when we're talking about marketing marketing means What's your brand look like? Marketing yourself, getting out there onto the gym floor and truly promoting yourself. Marketing isn't just about having a 
having your PT profile up on a wall that's literally you're marketing yourself. Are you wearing your uniform? Are you? Do people know that you're a personal trainer? Are you just sitting down um, on your phone for the entire time? What are you doing to market yourself in a really appropriate way? Um, in a really positive way, not appropriate, wrong, wrong words. But I think even the marketing side of it, we're probably not doing enough. Um, and a lot of PTs, when they do come into a gym, they assume that I, as the manager, state manager, moving up, moving up, moving up, I'm going to build your business for you. That's not the way it works. Um, if you were outside and you had your own gym that was completely decked out, how are you going to generate clients? You need to get out there and start marketing yourself. And that's not just ads or sponsored ads on social media, Facebook, boosting ads, things like that. That's literally going in cafes, talking to cafe owners, talking to people, walking past. Hi, how are you? Come check out my gym. It's building your brand. And what does that look like? What type of person do you want to be known for? Um, and I'm not sure if that's what they're currently doing in Cert 3s or Cert 4s, but I think there's a lot more that we can go into it. One of the things that I think we need to do more is getting PTs to understand what their, their, their brand identity is. Who do you want to be known for? What does your business want to uh, uh, to be uh, your mission statement, vision statement. You know, every business has one. Um, we've got one. I had one. I'm sure you, you've probably got one as well. So does Orphic. Everyone has a statement that people know that's what that company is known for. Um, so I think marketing is needs to really be lifted a little bit more, which I don't like using the word prospecting, but getting out there and truly building a relationship with people and that's how you generate business. I think it becomes much easier to do, like marketing, like word to me is like your reputation. It's like, who are you? Yes. Yeah. You know, when you walk around, like it's very clear what you represent, whether it's what you're wearing or how yeah. you're behaving. Like, do you look like someone mm. who is strong, who has health and vitality? Do you communicate with confidence? I think some of the biggest steps that can be improved in someone's ability to to market themselves is just if you change yourself and if you pursue betterment in the field and with your own health, wellness, and fitness, like mm -hmm. how could that dramatically improve what type of people you influence and attract? Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, they always say that um, I can't quite remember that's the, the, um, this, the terminology, but you, you, you become your your five best friends, or yeah, you're the average um, of the five people you spend the most time around. And and it's true. I mean, that's that's how you want to be. So if you think about you in a gym setting, and you're a PT, and you're surrounded by five, ten other people who don't wear their uniform, um, wear different coloured shorts to really what they should, probably don't even wear shoes because you know. Shoes do nothing. You need to be able to feel the earth. You know, there's you become that person, and from the outside looking in, that perception, it's it's not great. Members want someone who they can trust, and and they they want to spend the money on someone who they truly feel connected to. And if you've got you know sausage roll stains all on your top, that's not the person that they want to uh, look up to. Right, you're not representing a like mm -hmm. when it, when someone hires you or someone works with you and they pay you their hard-earned money. I think it helps dramatically. I think it's needed that you are something that represents something aspirational, something mm -hmm. of excellence, something that they aspire to change within themselves. They say, "Look, look, you've done it. Oh man, they're living the example. Maybe, maybe that gives me some a little bit more courage where I can do it myself too." Even if yeah. it's subconsciously, like I, I think it has a big influence. Yeah, absolutely. And that also then comes down to, you know, as the manager, what are we doing to be able to influence change yeah. within that that trainer as well? Are we wearing our uniforms? Are we wearing a name badge? But what are we actually doing to be able to, again, influence that change and change that mindset? Because it's all well and good me telling someone you should be wearing a uniform, but then I'm not doing it myself. 
Um, so we want to ensure that there is some consistency in getting people to see those benefits. So absolutely, it all it all filters. Yeah, change has to start from the top. It's a flow on. Um, oh yeah. Well, you talked about you brought up vision before. Mm. What is there's so many commercial gyms, Adriana, <laughs> Viva Leisure and Club Lime. They're one of them, mm. right? And obviously, we have seen great value and we've started to develop a really great relationship with you guys. Mm. But what is the vision that you represent individually within yourself as a professional and that Viva Leisure Club Lime also aim to pursue and represent? And I thought about, again, I thought, thought about this one for a little while and Viva Leisure Club Lime, they've got, they call themselves the three A's. So their brand, their, their gyms want to be seen as affordable, accessible, awesome facilities, which they're real strong, simple, easy words and people can relate to that. However, on the flip side, if we go into a little bit deeper, the true meaning of vision. They, Viva Leisure, have a variety of ranges of big box gyms to boutique gyms because their goal is, I don't want to use the, the terminology one-stop shop, but their goal is to be able to provide services no matter what your goal is. So as an example, we've recently opened up um, a new boutique mind and body studio which has reformers, Pilates, yoga, a variety of all of these things to purely uh, focus on the needs and goals of those people who truly want that mind and body um, wholesome feel. Um, but on the flip side, you might have someone who really wants to be empowered in the strength component. They want to go into one of our facilities to feel unintimidated. Our, our gyms... Um, and we've acquired um, a few as well, which is great to, to showcase sort of our brands that we're working after. But all of our gyms underneath Fever Leisure, the goal is for first timers walking into our gyms is to feel supported and unintimidated. I think that's probably the, the best way of saying it. Um, How do you do that? Whenever... I'm sorry to interrupt because this is big because a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of coaches – people are intimidated i know like yeah. people who i thought wouldn't be intimidated like guy friends of mine i'm like oh we all feel it it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are it's not just for people oh, who yeah. have never trained before like even it could happen to anybody so how do you manage and break down that and, and create an environment that empowers and encourages people to walk into their intimidation i'm with you there i still feel that in any new gym that i walk into but the way we've done that is is also the, the colour scheme too. So our colour scheme is green, it's grey, it's nice. black. So, oh, yeah, so you get the greens, the, the plants in the back there, the, the greens, it's about growth, it's about maturity. So when you walk into that, you, you feel a little bit more at ease and relaxed. Um, I can't recall what black is. I should have probably written that down. But black and grey, they are actually that there's – um, something behind that as to why those colours are are there as well. But they're there to make you naturally feel a little bit more at ease when you do walk into the club and you naturally feel um, that you can grow within that place. That's your home. You want it to be comfortable. Um, you know, as we know, red's real fiery, it's real power sort of driven. That's We really wanted to completely stay clear of that. Um, and our gyms, uh, sorry, our equipment that we have in the gyms they look slick. They look clean. Our, our gyms, and I must admit, we truly pride ourselves on the cleanliness, and that was even before COVID as well. Yeah. Man, they're clean. Like everyone spends, um, you know, hours and hours cleaning. There is someone out there on the floor every thirty minutes cleaning. Everyone's friendly. You walk into a community, um, and and I think as well. I know from my perspective. Every time I walk into a gym, the first person that I think about is how will my mum feel walking into this gym for the very first time? What's the first thing that someone sees? You don't want someone seeing plate loaded and, and platforms. That's naturally intimidating. Do you want them to see 
um, a functional area that's crisp, it's clean. There's a couple of medicine balls there. And then they see the cardio. And then they see the plate loaded. Mm. Then, sorry, the pin loaded. Then they see the plate. So there's a journey that they actually go through. So when my mum walks into a club, she's going to feel not intimidated because you don't have the big heavy boys lifting in front of her. You'll have a group class going on. She's feeling naturally a little bit more supported. So she doesn't want to do something on her own. She knows she can go into a class and feel nice and supported. Someone's going to be there holding my hand the entire time. That is really that's something I haven't thought about is the layout because I'm now thinking of all the gyms that I've kind of walked through and the ones I go to and like how the consideration for color, environment and placement and how that can cue you into feeling a variety of different emotions, which can Mm -hmm. then influence your state of whether you're going to, your proclivity to, to want to do the thing, to sign up, for example. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember walking to, into a club of a, a while ago and and this wasn't whilst I was working with, with Club Lime or with Viva Leisure and the first thing that caught my eye was um, the belted squat and man that thing if anyone's actually seen it it's a huge footprint it's it's the size of the table um, it's great uh, I and love it. it's it's the best <laughs> I, I love it now but for someone at that time I'd never seen that before and yeah, I thought yeah. oh my what what even is that um, and then when I did see someone go on there you know it was this you know big muscly person that went on there to utilize it and I thought okay I'm not if, doing that. If I wasn't, yeah, if, if I wasn't, you know, really into sort of lifting really heavy at that time, I would have been really intimidated by yeah. it. But I saw someone use it and going, oh, okay, that actually looks really, really effective. I can see the benefits. But it looks strange. Hmm. So if someone walked in for the first time seeing something that naturally makes you feel uncomfortable, you're not going to want to go into that club. Totally. Know? That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. what about your vision as a state manager, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder your vision. And then also, you know, what do you learn about communication and human behavior and managing people? You learn a lot about people who can be very strange and amazing creatures, but how do you manage all the different personalities like a actual coach and trainer would do with all their clients? Oh, it's, it's hard. And, and I honestly don't, think you'll ever stop learning um i love disc profiling and 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 i think it's really important that we the the higher you go especially into management and and coaching and and um constantly upskilling yourself reading a variety of books just to help you understand the benefits of just even open-ended questioning or, or things like that you know this has been such a and hopefully for everyone sort of listening in this has been a really free-flowing communication sort of between you and I because you've asked some really good questions and boom, I'll just talk for hours. <laughs> so it's you've adapted to me as well, but disc profiling, in, in my opinion, has sort of been the game changer for me when I'm coaching someone, whether that is no, no matter whether they're just a, whether they're a personal trainer, they're, they're on reception or, or even a club manager or a state manager role, um, even a CEO, there's a variety of ways that you do need to talk to someone. So that's been just profiling for me is huge. Um, yeah. So you use that with every you get them to do Everyone. that. Oh yeah, that's that's the goal. And how and do you ad- how do you adapt your strategies then once you learn someone's proclivity towards a certain behaviour? And it will depend on what it is because once you know and you can sort of categorise them depending on whether they're a dominant character or an influence such as myself or whether they're very uh, meticulous on, on numbers or or um, facts or anything like that. So you need to be able to work out, okay, what's the type of person? You always have to build that relationship first. Um, I thought I'd bring ah, it there up we go. I mean, bring it up. To, tr- to trigger your... Uh... To, to trigger it. Um, so, and I'll, and I'll use sort of um, conscientiousness as well as a bit of an example because if you look at I, as you can see, outgoing, enthusiastic, high-spirited, lively, that's me. 
So the opposites don't necessarily attract. So the C person is very analytical, whereas I myself like to talk what I say fluff. I like to fluff things up. So when I am talking to someone who is distinctly doing something uh, wrong, and and I'll, I'll use wrong as an example, so they've come through to me and said, my business isn't working, you need to provide me with more leads. Cool. Let's sit down and let's review it. I can't really talk about feelings here. We need to talk numbers. Mm. So tell me exactly where you're sitting at. Tell me exactly what you're currently doing. And I want this over a seven-day period. So give me some specifics about what are those strategies you're currently doing. Then you want to flip them and say, so in a perfect world, what would you like to see happen? So all we've done is we're now being a little bit more precise about the situation. There's no emotion in it. We're purely talking about facts and numbers. Whereas if that same situation happened to someone who was an S, you don't want them feeling like they've failed because they're they're such a supportive network. They're they're so humble as that, that word is there. They literally don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So if I've said that they've failed, they will feel so guilty because they've let me down, mm-hmm. not them, me. So now I've got to make them feel no worries. Let's look at some of those strategies in a really nice and friendly way. I'm here to help you and I'm going to hold your hand the entire way. Let's get out there and do it together. I'm going to walk the floor with you so we can actually get some of those clients in. I'm going to observe what you're doing and then let's give you some feedback about how we can adjust and change. So everyone will always have something different and you need to make sure that your coaching technique and your questioning is different depending on that person. This is great. I think I think this is yeah. this is a really practical kind of framework to start teaching people around. Mm. Like I think the one I've just pulled up now it kind of gives you exactly what you were kind of explaining in dot point versions. Yeah. Um, and you can actually do um like there's a couple of free disc profilings that you can sort of do on your own as well. Um, but I'd actually recommend uh, when I did it. Um, and thankfully, we did it through a, um, through our company many years ago. And we ended up, I think it took, it was like 30 minutes. And they asked the same question maybe five or six times in different ways to make sure that you were really specific. So the questions that then came afterwards was dependent on your answer. So it was really, really specific. And it actually gives you tools for how can you overcome um, if you are feeling um, quite strongly in a negative way towards another person that was a D character? How can you overcome that? So it gives you a lot of strategies for it. There's always strengths and weaknesses in every single person. So we want to ensure that we we never make anyone feel worse for wear. I think, look, I mean... It's a great starting place for like, because human behaviors can be really tricky. It's it's like, mm. there's so many nuances to how someone behaves and why they behave the way they do. And unless you've yeah. dived into a variety of different books, like the ones behind me, which I have fallen in love with, that teach you a lot <laughs> about this, how to interact with different people, then mm. you can be a bit of a loss with like, man, why do a lot of my relationships and, and the people I communicate with end up in... I don't know, just some people just, they're constantly finding stress seeking and discovering and interacting and in ways that are very stressful, that are gravitating towards like conflict and stress. And I think Mm -hmm. this, if that's, if you're having trouble with your clients or interpersonal relationships, using a framework like this, maybe Mm -hmm. can start to develop some of that self-awareness. Oh, gotcha. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I've definitely been there where I've just not been able to connect with my client. I haven't found that common interest. And that's probably because I wasn't speaking their language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I wasn't speaking it in a way where it truly got them to understand. I'm actually reading a book right now called Five Love Languages. <laughs> it's, yes. It's, it's very it's, popular. Um, I've seen that. It, it is. And I'd actually recommend that as well. I mean, look. It, You've done the test, I assume. You know, of course I have. Right. Um, like, I'm uh, def- 
sorry, obviously, yeah. Adriana, we both have interested in this topic, right? Oh yeah. Because we're interrupting each other. But like, it's <laughs> my bad, my bad. But um, for it doesn't like it has the five love languages. It extends beyond that because it's like it does. How do can you communicate? Uh, how do I say? It? It's like a jigsaw piece puzzle. Like you, you can either jam them together or you can figure out how to rotate mm -hmm. the piece and fit it together. Yeah, and and it is. Look, it's and and you, you want to talk about even with with friendships, and it's not just about you know finding love just because it's called the five love languages, but right. essentially there's there's five languages that you should be able to communicate with someone else. So as an example, it's all about um, physical touch and quality times for me. So what that basically means is, and I think that's why the lockdown probably hit me really difficult was because. You know, do I enjoy, you know, a hug? You know, I always give my clients, you know, a high five and, you know, a, a cool little hug. And we're, we, we're constantly touching in a, you know, in a very appropriate way. Of course. Whereas now you can no longer do any of that. Um, but it also just builds that relationship between someone else when you can speak their language. So if you've got someone, as an example, who... Um, who's a word of affirmations as an example. So if you want to be able to connect with that person, you need to constantly talk about, it's not just about how amazing they are, but it's, did you notice how well you did in day one versus what we've done now? Let's review that assessment. Let's see how far you've come from day one to now. So you're actually talking their language as opposed to, hey, look at the facts. They don't care about facts. I know it's very interesting because then you make correlations with the disc prof, uh, the the DICS, yeah, disc. yeah, disc. My bad, disc, disc profiling, <laughs> disc. and you start to see. For example, I see people. I believe if I'm looking at the steadiness type of people, yeah. they tend to respond, at least in my experience, to those words of affirmation and needing that constant re affirmment that they're on the right path and mm -hmm. they're secure and safe and they're not feeling insecure in their actions yes it's interesting absolutely yeah and ev everything sort of works it does um and I, I don't think there's one answer to the human human connection and truly understanding someone because you'll always have little snippets of everywhere but everyone does have a dominant characteristic or a, a dominant sort of personality and if you can't work out what that is, it's going to be very difficult for you to build that relationship with someone. Um, and I think that's kind of the whole reason why most of us became PTs is because we generally want to help people in, in any way. We just, yeah. we just want to help. Um, so let's work on what those languages are so we can actually build some better relationships, which means they're going to stay with you for longer. And help them more effectively. Adriana, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope yeah, people listening did yeah. as well. And to close the conversation, do you have any last parting thoughts, comments, asks of our audience or just where people can find you? I, you, I should actually have put, put up sort of my email address or, or something. So, guys, I am um, always available for, for even just any form of chat such as this. Like I love just talking in general about finding strategies or, or be able to provide more support within anything but personal training can is just a starting point and i think what's really good right now is people are truly understanding that pt is a genuine career and understanding that it's not just about you know just training clients there's another next step which is then mentoring going into a position such as my own where where you look after you know 60 70 clubs and higher and it keeps going going up so this is a genuine career nowadays and I love the fact that there's so many people out there um, wanting to help as many people po as possible moving with purpose but my, my lasting sort of thoughts is is this just learn to speak people's language mm. that would probably be be the main goal for me is personal comes first before training learn to talk people's languages and it honestly might sound extremely simple and you know I'm, i think a lot of people might think you know i need to upskill yes you do but if you can't build a connection with someone 
you can do all the courses in the world and it's not going to help you learn to build a connection with someone. Well said. Oh, and I guess that helps yeah. because we also, in built in our, our courses, we got 30 weeks of that face-to-face classes, which we built that. I just think it's like success leaves clues. And it's like, I keep hearing mm. a version of this and it's like, yes, you can learn online or like, but you're not going to get everything you're just saying just online. Yeah. That's built. Absolutely. I mean, we've had a great conversation online. Yes, we realize that. But there is something particularly unique about the connection and skill set that you can uh, hone by seeing somebody face to face. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, please, if, if anyone does want to reach out, my um, my email is adriana.kalidis, which is A-D-R-I-A-N-A dot K-A-L-I-D-I-S at vivaleisure.com.au. Thank you, Adriana. It was a pleasure talking. Thank you so much. It was so great to, to hang out with you. You're an awesome presenter. You're I great. appreciate it. I'm just talking. Yeah, so much fun. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing, I'm just talking. That's it. Loving what you do. It's exactly. great. Exactly. See you, Adriana. <laughs> uh, thanks.